This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. This is episode 203, entitled, More Arguments for God Being Only One Person. This is a continuation from the previous episode, episode 202, where we looked at the Greek New Testament to see some passages that displayed and portrayed the one true God as only one person as a single self. And I was looking at particular passages that are not often considered by biblical Unitarians as presenting God as only one person, but in fact, that is what the Greek text indicates unambiguously. And so I wanted to encourage our listeners to look at these passages and to perhaps use them in your conversations with others when you're trying to talk about the one true God and his oneness. So we'll look at more passages from the New Testament that continue to depict God as a single person, not two persons, and certainly not three persons. The God of the Bible, the true God, Yahweh, the Father alone, is only one person. So what does the New Testament have to say about God being a single person rather than two or three persons? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. First passage we'll look at today is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 5, 18, which says, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 18. And so we can hear in that passage pretty clear in the English, that God reconciled us to himself. God did something to us, but that reconciliation brought us back to himself. So the one God is described with that singular pronoun. And so we can see in the Greek where that one God is described with the definite article, to theu, to katalitsantos. Imas, eafto. And it's that independent pronoun there, eafto, which is a reflexive singular pronoun, which is translated as himself. And so the one God, who is the person who reconciled us to himself, is indicated there as referring to a single person. And there are quite a few singular pronouns used for the one God in that passage, not to mention the definite articles and the verbs. Clearly, the one God who is distinguished from Christ in this passage, the one God is described as someone who is a single person, a single self. That's 2 Corinthians 5.18. Our next passage is actually the verse that follows. 2 Corinthians 5.19. So our second passage says, namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, 
for he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. That's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. So in the Greek here, we have theos in in Christo kosmon kata lason eafto. And it's that reflexive pronoun at the end, eafto, which is a singular reflexive pronoun, points back to God, indicating that God is a single person. Not to mention the variety of singular verbs that are used in this verse to refer to the one God. So God is a single self. You can see that if you can't read the Greek, if you can't understand the Greek, you can see it in the English translation. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God reconciled the world to himself. The one God is a single self. Himself, being a singular pronoun, refers to God being only one person. Moving on, let's move to our third passage, which is in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. I wanted to get the context of this particular passage. The verse we'll be looking at is actually is in verse 5, but I wanted to get some of the wider context. So we'll start in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, which says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him for the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. That's Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 5. And so we can see at the end where God in love has predestined us to adoption, to sonship, to himself, and he has done this through Jesus Christ. Now in the Greek, this phrase that's rendered to himself is is often, to him, literally, but clearly the him is a reference back to God. And so... According to verse 3, it is the God of Jesus who is described with this singular pronoun. The God of Jesus is a single self, rendered in English as himself in verse 5. Although it's interestingly absent from the New Revised Standard Version, probably because there's a little nuancing that has to be done here with a literal translation being to him, but clearly the hymn is a reference back to God, namely the God of Jesus. The God of Jesus is a single person, a single self. Moving on, our fourth passage is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11, which says, Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 11. So here, we actually have the independent pronoun in the nominative case used in addition to the subject. We have oftos, they, o, theos. And oftos here is, of course, the intensive use of the singular pronoun. And when the nominative pronoun is used before the subject, it is used there for emphasis. It's emphatic. And so it's the God himself, the God himself, who is the Father, 
and Jesus our Lord will direct our way to you. That's the prayer that Paul gives. So God himself is a single person. Of course, that God is further described as the Father, but it's the God himself, namely the Father. Again, God being described as a single person. And, of course, the God being a single person is distinguished in this passage from Jesus. Jesus is not God. God is a single person, namely the Father, and Jesus is not the Father. Moving on, still in 1 Thessalonians, our fifth passage is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Again, we have the same Greek construction that we had in our previous passage, which says, Oftos they Theos. And oftos here is again the intensive use of the singular pronoun used in the nominative. So literally you would translate it as the God himself of peace. And since God here is described with the intensive use of the singular pronoun, meaning himself, it indicates that, guess what? God is a single person. One single person. Not two persons, not three persons. There's only one answer for the number of persons that God could be according to this passage. And the only answer that works is that God is one person. Singular pronoun refers to one person. Our next passage, moving into the book of Hebrews, is in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, which says, For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. That's Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. And so we have the verb for swearing, we have the preposition, and we have the pronoun, which is omosen koth aoftu. And it's this independent pronoun, aoftu, which is the reflexive singular pronoun that refers back to God. And not just any God, it's to the God, Otheos, the one God, the one true God. And this one true God is a single person because he is described with a singular reflexive pronoun, translated into English as himself. The one God is described as a single person. Not to mention the variety of singular verbs that are used in this verse to describe the one God. Singular pronouns and singular verbs refer to single persons because God is only one person. Still in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, we have our next passage, passage number 7. So in Hebrews 13 verse 5, it says, Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. That's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. In this passage, the author of Hebrews is citing from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, citing from Genesis 28, verse 15, where the speaker, which speaks in the first person, I, is none other than Yahweh, Yahweh himself. Okay, 
But in this passage, it says that he himself has said, I will never desert you. We can see in the English there, the word himself. He himself refers to a single person. In Greek, we have aftos gar irikin. And the aftos there is the intensive use of the singular pronoun. And it is used with emphasis when supplied to a verb, especially a verb in which the subject is already supplied. That subject for the verb to say is singular. He himself said. Who is the subject? The subject is Yahweh. Yahweh himself. So Yahweh is a single person. Yahweh himself. One single person. Our next passage, passage number eight, comes from the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 13. In James 1.13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. That's James 1.13. And you can see clearly in the English that God is described as a single self. He himself does not tempt anyone. So in the Greek, we have Pirazi ve aftos. And that aftos there, again, is the singular pronoun used in the nominative in an intensive fashion because when it's used in addition to the verb in which the subject is already described in the singular, the singular pronoun is used for emphasis, meaning he himself, a single person. The God who cannot be tempted is only one person, a single self. He himself does not tempt anyone. And our last passage comes out of the book of Revelation. We finally reach the end of the canon, Revelation 21, verse 3, which says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. It's Revelation 21, verse 3. Again, hopefully you get the picture by now. You can hear in the English, God himself will be among them, indicating that God is a single person, a single self. The one God is only one person. And in the Greek, it is aftos o theos. The God himself, aftos there, is the intensive use of the singular pronoun in the nominative case. This is basic Greek grammar. This is what undergraduate freshman students learn about the independent pronouns in their first year of Greek. This is not advanced Greek. This is not rocket science. This is very, very basic, simple, non-controversial stuff, by the way. This is what is in every single Greek grammar that teaches New Testament Greek. The God himself will be among them. So in the book of Revelation, the God is only one person. So there you have it. Nine more passages that indicate in the New Testament that God is a single self, a single person. And if God is one person, he can't be two persons and he can't be three persons. He can't be any other number of persons other than one single person. 
because the one true God is the Father alone, the God of Jesus, the Father of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode, and please join us next week as we begin a new series looking at the controversy stories in the fourth gospel, the Gospel of John, in order to show the important theme of misunderstanding. And we'll also look at why understanding the theme of misunderstanding is super critical for making sense of the way that Jesus is portrayed in the fourth Gospels, specifically in the narrative sections of the fourth Gospel. So please look forward to our next episode. That will be episode 204. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting us as we promote the important truths about the oneness and unity of God and the humanity of Jesus. If you'd like to offer a donation, you may check us out on PayPal. There is a link to donate in the description of this episode. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, please take care.